Welcome to Slacker Motor Radio with Brad and Addison. Based out of the Pacific Northwest, we're talking motorcycles in the motorcycle community, and we're excited to have this hour with you. Here we go. Welcome back, Slackers. Brad, how you doing? I am doing pretty good, you know. It's uh, we're looking like we're going to get a little bit better weather here coming up, maybe. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Father's Day weekend uh, um, has taken place or will take place. I don't know what we're doing here with this one. But anyway. Yeah, two days ago was Father's Day. Congrats to all the fathers. Yeah, yeah. So um, that, that was good. And uh, been working on the Jeep pickup a little bit. It uh, had a... Uh, an issue so it let all the smoke out of its wires behind the dash and i uh, was stranded on the side of the road that was fun was that issue between the steering wheel and the foot pedal yeah i think it yeah no it was i don't know so it has an ammeter in the dash which is uh um quite scary um in general all the alternator current goes into the dash and connects in essence to a gauge and then returns back to the battery. And so you have a lot of amperage that's running through um, the harness behind behind the dash and behind the instrument cluster. So um, I'm assuming that that's the case right now, based on what I've seen and tracing all of my shorts, um, that seems to be a pretty high culprit. So I'm gonna be removing that and updating the harness on it and uh, putting in some additional um, protection measures. So there was one fusible link, but it was way downstream. So I'm going to have a couple new, um, new fuses that are going to be right next to the battery and the alternator and, uh, should, should prevent anything like this from happening again. So, um, be working on that a little bit and a little bit unfortunate, but in the process, I get to do some nice things like clean up the wiring a little bit under the hood since we are no longer using the original carburetor and a couple other things. So um, it'll all work out for good, just uh, more money and time, unfortunately, but uh, we would like to continue having a full-size truck, so I will be working on that. Yeah, it gives you a good chance to cut out all the unnecessary stuff like a speedometer and and you know interior lights, all the things you don't need. Yeah. Yeah, who needs that? Turn signals and yeah, yeah, brake. Yeah, you got hands for that. Yeah, yeah, should be should be good. You know, I can I can eliminate all the wires. Yes, just uh, randomize a flasher for your turn signal, and it'll it'll just keep everyone behind you guessing. (laughs) Yeah, I need to get a what do they call them? Those uh, Raspberry Pis and yeah, that'd be fun. Set it it so it plays uh, plays along with the music. Whatever you're blaring in your truck is is the tone or the beat that the turn signals will hold. Yeah, as much as I'd love to do a lot of other cool things, there's a lot of possibilities now with technology where it is today. Um, I'm gonna, I'll resist all of that. Really, the truck isn't a show truck by any means. It would be fun to do some of those things, like you know, have a nice uh, LCD display that you put in there that you can change the colors. I mean, there's a lot of cool things that you could do nowadays, but. Um, what I will be doing is replacing the ammeter with a voltmeter and there's a pretty cool hack that I found for being able to do it and have it turn out very nice and installed in the dash. So, uh, in the instrument cluster. So I'm looking forward to being able to implement that already ordered the gauge for it and, and everything. So 
Are you allowed to say hack and it'll turn out very nice in the same sentence? I know. I made sure to use both. Yeah. That was right, intentional. Right. Just for that, you. That's okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Nice hack. I don't know. I appreciate you bringing up all these uh, wiring nightmares when that's the next big stepping stone for the gladiator. So thank you for uh, getting my, my spidey senses up from the beginning. No, see, these are the problems. So this is a 1976 <laughs> truck, right? And I understand the Gladiator is a similar time frame, but I doubt you're going to have some of the same issues. No, you're I'm starting to cleaning scratch. it up anyway while you're in there. And so the big thing for me is any time where I found a, a, a wire that is slightly melted or um, has some issues, I'm, just, I'm replacing it while I'm in there. And it's very cool the way that the Jeep did. I have to give them... A, give them a little bit of props for this, but they used actually a really good color coding system. And I was really surprised by that, but it's easy to trace things throughout the entire vehicle. So hopefully the Gladiator has something similar. And as long as you're following that, cleaning it up, taking care of problems as you're going and eliminating some of the unnecessary, since the bike is going to be quite a bit different than what it left the factory, you're not going to have any issues. No, really, if you can get a good diagram, that's the big thing. A good diagram and being able to read it is crucial. You could do so much. Yep, yeah, it won't be too bad. I've got the wiring diagram, and I'm just starting from scratch. So it'll uh, it'll be easy enough to, I mean, kind of to my earlier joke, that I can cut out the unnecessaries and uh, just wire up what I want on that thing. So Yeah, if you're starting from scratch, I mean, it can be daunting, and I understand there's tracking and tracing wires and being able to lay them out and have it look nice. That's also another critical thing, especially on a Gladiator, a build of any sort, right? You want them out of the way and not to be contacted by any debris while riding or getting on and off the bike and such like that. You also don't want to see it. Um, but uh, if you can get uh, an array of different colored wires, then I think that that would be very awesome and it would make it so much easier if you try to use red for everything you try to diagnose anything down the road or even just running your harness it's you're having to flag each end of the harness and try to keep track of it that way and it's just tough no that's already done but but a very good point anyway to anyone that's looking to to do wiring in the future that uh, either matching factory colors is is critical or if you're starting from scratch make sure each uh each leader, at least each similar function is of the same color. You don't necessarily have to have 400 colors for every single wire piece, but all of your functions match a, a certain code. Right. Or if, even if you have to use, let's say, green with a trace stripe down it <clears throat> twice on there, you know it's either for the blinkers or for the alternator or so, something like that, right? So, you, you know, you're not have, you, but you don't have all of them being the same color. And I've seen some pretty good deals on, let's say, Amazon, where you can buy like 10 spools of 100 feet for, it's a little bit of money, like 70 bucks, but uh, not too bad because you could spend a lot more trying to buy individual colors and such. So, Yeah, that's kind of what I've got is, uh, I think it's two five packs of, of 100 feet each. But yeah, not too bad. You can get it. it it's worth the cost to do it right. That's, that's usually my... Uh, my motto, especially on these custom builds, it's worth the cost to do it right. But you can also, I mean, I guess this isn't really a topic of the day, but although it's worth the cost to do it right, you can also look around and shop and, and find lower costs that still give you high quality. So you don't necessarily have to spend the, you know, the guy that has the most commercials with the nicest part isn't necessarily the best for your build. But 
cutting all costs and just buying one thousand foot spool of red isn't going to make for a quality build. Right. Yeah. Right. Find find that happy medium. So now you're soldering all of your terminals and everything else. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. We'll solder and we'll splice and solder. I've I actually ended up buying these really nice. Uh, they're a bit pricey, but it's going to make it such a simpler job of uh, heat shrink with solder built. No, I I was just going to say don't do it. Oh, really? I was just going to say don't do that. I think it depends. Why? I think it okay. So I'll say it. I think it depends. One of the reasons is the uh, the the temperature for that melting point is lower. Okay, you're not gonna. You're also not gonna have the same uh, quality of solder as like a standard um, off the shelf that you could get. It's actually different, and the material properties are different. And that you're gonna get a good connection, but over time it could fail. And so that's my concern with it. I think it should, and maybe maybe it's unwarranted, but it does not replace the quality of actually soldering it with a soldering iron and your own reel. Of- well, that's fair. What I'll probably do is both because I actually like the environmental seal that the two ends of each heat shrink have. Because there's ba- basically a silica bead on the ends of that heat shrink that add an extra environmental sealing and protection. So. I think, a, uh, I think it's unnecessary. I see what you're, saying. I see what you're saying, but I think it's a little unnecessary. Just standard heat shrinking would be the best. The one thing that I would not do is use insulated butt connectors and such like that. I agree with that, 100%. And, 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 it, and it can work, and I'm not saying that it can't, but um, no. you're not going to get any seal. What I would recommend if anybody's doing this, whether it's butt connectors or terminals, is get the uninsulated buy yourself some, even if it's cheap, uh, heat shrink. And then, um, it, even if you're not soldering and I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't solder, but to put that on crimp it in that regard, then solder if you so choose, and then slide the, the, uh, shrink tube over the top, heat it with the gun. You're going to have a connection that's going to last a long time without any issues. No, I agree with that. I've always been, uh, Quite averse, especially to the yeah, the press crimp, uh, the pinch crimp, hard plastic, insulated uh, connectors. And you want a good for really paper. There's and I, I think that you bought special uh, special terminals and a crimper for that, didn't you? I did. I went with a, a multi. I mean, it's a you can switch out the jaws to go from Deutz to pinch to really all the different types of connectors as well so i can create my own uh, my own connectors but uh, i i i went all out last on my last set of uh of crimpers that it really is the tool for all jobs it takes a few seconds to to swap out the jaws for what you're looking to do but uh, nonetheless it it does a very quality crimp even for the dual stage um connectors and things like that that'll connect onto the wire but also hold on to the um the shielding mm-hmm. for the wire. I mean, just, just good quality, solid connectors. So well worth the money. I use those, uh, especially if I'm creating my, own, you know, putting pins in and, and making my own connectors for the headlight on the gladiator is the, was the first project that those got used on that I took off the garbage Chinese connector it had and put on a higher quality connector that would be a little bit more environmentally sealed and, and be universal to the other connectors on the bike just to keep things succinct and, and uh, similar. So it, it's had use, but it's, uh, I agree, a, a moderate, you don't necessarily need a, you know, a $300 um, set of, of crimpers or, or pliers or whatever you want to call them. 
depending on the the job you're doing. But a, a good set is well worth it because you'll you'll get a significantly uh, more reliable bite on anything that you're trying to crimp. Right, and if you're soldering, post soldering, you know you can get away with some cheaper crimpers and and such. You just wanting to hold it in place while you so that way you can solder it. But uh, if you're going to be doing it a lot, I mean, you could easily spend thirty to sixty dollars on a crimper, and, yep. and it's well worth the investment at that point. I think that was roughly what what these were, and yeah, you can go for the snap on you know three hundred dollar pair, but that you know the the value for that extra two hundred and forty dollars is really not that much better value. Oh, you you found this out because you bought the three of them, right? The three snap on ones. No, I mean they're easier to use. the The clamp force is lower. I've I've used them before. There's definitely a, a benefit to them, and if you were doing this day in day out, then you get that that value a lot more. But for the garage builder or the uh, you know the few bikes a year, you don't need to spend that kind of cash. <laughs> No, that's fair. That's fair. So that's uh, so you're going to start working on that here in the future. I know that you've got uh, or in the near future, right? Yep. That, that's the next big step. Put everything back together, and, and then harness is next. So, so you've already completed the triple bypass. The triple bypass is done. I got the rear cover on still. The seals came in, um, so I've just got to install them and I put that all back together. I got uh, a bit sidetracked. If uh, you know, those listeners that that also follow Instagram or our Facebook page will see uh, why I got sidetracked. If not, go check it out. Let me know what you think. But I, I built a tail rack for the uh, the S3. So oh, finally the reveal. I mean, you teased how long ago on that. I know. But uh, I put a lot of effort into the design, into mounting points, into making sure it didn't require any permanent fabrication or alterca- alterations to the stock bike however it looked like it was more or less welded and built to the bike so i think i you know i'm a little biased but i'm I'm quite uh, quite proud of the work i love it i'm actually now working on fixturing a weld uh, setup so that i can recreate and reproduce at a much you know much quicker rate and a much more reliable rate sure so I think that, you know, personally, I would buy one if somebody else had one that looked that good. I didn't like the options that were out there were very generic. Uh, now, I realize that there's a lower cost in generic because you can use the same parts for multiple bikes and so on and so forth. However, for a bike like this, it just, I think Triumph did such a good job with these triples that, I mean, it's hard to find customs of them because nobody wants to screw with them because it was pretty much tuned to its max and set up very well by Triumph suspension, everything from the factory. So because of that, I think that there's a market for something specific to that bike. You know, the market will tell me differently if there's not, and I'll have a few racks that'll be, you know, super cheap in three years if nobody buys them. <laughs> I think you'll, you'll be able to sell them. You're going to refine it a little bit. I know that this one was an initial, initial uh, prototype concept. I mean, it turned out very nice, but uh, I'm sure that you're going to be cleaning it up even more so as you move forward. And, Oh, it's pretty cool. I was, I was excited to see that uh, come to fruition. I know I was in here during a couple work sessions uh, at uh, at the shop that we use, and so um, pretty cool to see that come along. So yeah, prototyping it up, getting some, uh, you know, I can get the flat plate cut at a relatively low cost and, and uh, you know, laser cut perfectly ready to go. So looking forward to uh, having a couple of those that are, they're a bit cleaner and done. Uh, there'll be a little bit more to come. The fi- finishing touches actually look like they uh, they just arrived based on when we've released this. 
but based on the recording are just uh, soon to arrive. So by the time this comes out, you'll see uh, you'll see basically the finished product, with the exception of the modular top pieces that I'm working on designing as well for a couple of different options for things you might want to carry on top of it. But uh, more to come on that later. Right, right. And then I think you mentioned something about getting into the uh, the sheep business. The sheep business. Yeah, there's a, a certain longer trip coming up, the Slacker Moto ride, that uh, I decided after a multiple all-day rides on that bike that I've done, it, it's not that – it's not terrible, but it's not that comfortable. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, decided that uh, I need to get some sheepskin for the seat of that. There'll be pictures after the Slacker Moto ride to kind of show the finished product there. But uh, I think, you know, to me, that seems like the most robust. It may not be the best looking, but it, it solves a lot of the uncomfortability, the heat issues, a lot of the issues that cause, you know, a numb butt when you're riding. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just curious. I know that I brought this up offline, but uh, you know, I know that uh, wool is waterproof. But I'm curious if there's going to be any issues with water pooling and still, uh, you know, creating other concerns. But obviously, uh, you're going to get wet anyway, and so you might as well be comfortable. Well, and the the slacker motor ride this year will be a good uh, good opportunity to test that out. See whether it's yeah, I don't really want to get into the sheep, you know, the sheepskin, the uh, the seat cover business. Uh, I don't think that's really the the pivot I'm looking to make in any way. But if it turns out, it you know, it's fantastic and perfectly viable. I you know, I put a lot of work into making it my own, and you know, I I could do something like that, or you know, at least something that that would be usable for those around. But it's uh, I don't know. It, it is what it is. It doesn't look terrible, but it's definitely, you know, the stock seat looks right on the bike. This definitely looks like a, you know, a cover slapped on top. So <laughs> yeah, it looks so like exactly you what it cover is. cover the entire gladiator seat with that? The gladiator seat? No, definitely not. Definitely not <laughs> looking to do anything with that. That's not a, you know, I, I don't plan to do, actually, we'll see. I, I was actually talking about some camp trips on the gladiator. So it may go on some multi-day longer rides just because that's, I think what I find very fun in, in owning a bike is disappearing on two wheels, but I don't think it'll need that. I'm also planning to have a, a very professional uh, custom seat manufactured for me. I, I expect that to be quite comfortable since it'll be custom manufactured. Okay. Okay. I'm looking forward to we'll seeing see. that as well. I, I haven't actually worked with this seat, uh, seat upholster slash, I mean, they do the foam and the whole thing. So more to come when that's done. I don't want to, to praise or knock or do anything i've heard nothing but good things so i'm expecting pretty good things but uh we'll i'll talk more about that once it's commissioned and back and i have you know solid information to talk about <laughs> right well i think as, you're, as long as you're going to somebody who does this uh regularly and is has a very good reputation uh going into it i don't think you're going to have an issue i think it's going to the ones that uh maybe you're going to somebody else that made their own once right and oh yeah, I can make you one too, that you're not going to have somebody taking the time to make sure that the ergonomics are quite right. But I know that you're going to do one and you're going to do this build correct and it's going to turn out awesome. So Well, yeah. I know when, if you look back at the episode, you know, to have or, or to have done that we talked about a number of episodes ago that, that you know, there, there are times when you got to know what you're good at and what you can do. And 
got to realize that it's just sometimes more cost effective, even though it costs quite a bit to have a professional do it. It's just better and more cost effective to have the professional do it. That's that's where I'm at with a seat. Right. I can I can hack something together, but I can have somebody stitch it exactly as I want, look exactly like I want, and it'll fit up perfect on the bike rather than, you know, working as hard as it would take me to do that myself. I think it'd be cool, nonetheless. That's fair. That's fair. And anyway, it turn out better than a fifty dollar one that you buy on Amazon. Well, that that's probably true. I, I, you get what you pay for when it comes to things, especially comfort, ergonomics, and safety. I think for a cap, they, they, they end up on a lot of bikes, and I don't mean to diss them. I think that they probably do just fine for, you know, uh, hopping around to different places around town, but uh, yeah, probably not going to be the best as far as comfort is concerned or the durability, I guess, is the biggest concern. I've known enough people to throw some of those eBay seats on uh, on their bikes, and, and yeah, for tooling around the neighborhood, not so bad, but I would never want to do a 400-mile know, day with that plank of uh with that ironing board underneath me which you're not going to really do on the gladiator but you want to be able to if you so choose i'm sure it will happen i don't tend to not ride my bikes so it'll it'll go on some distance but i don't know about 400 miles in a day but it could uh-huh okay you, we'll said, see. It. you said it that's it's right recorded. nonetheless you sent me a couple of things recently regarding the uh, the popularity of motorcycles in Europe, and I got to tell you, I got I got kind of into it. So what uh, what really surprised you with it? I don't know that I was really too surprised, but it got me. Uh, maybe I'm not because I had enough time to think about it. But I guess I was surprised with the economies worldwide right now not being at the peak in any way. Everybody's kind of hurting a little bit. A little surprised that the motorcycle industry was seeing a huge growth especially in scooters, um, <laughs> but that, uh, that there was so much growth in the motorcycle industry in Europe. However, you know, once I started thinking about it and realizing that, you know, people don't want to be on public transit with COVID, people don't want to, you know, if, if money's tight, and especially in Europe where there's already a very good motorcycle infrastructure, people don't want automotive insurance. People don't want a big car that they have to maintain and keep and get worse mileage. People can go with a smaller bike. Uh, you know, we've talked about that the last two episodes, the, the trend towards smaller bikes. People can get a motorcycle and do the same stuff and save a lot of money at that rate, too, just on purchase price and, and maintenance and all of that alone. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I could see a lot of people going towards that, trying to get out, get, do something and be able to run around and not have to uh, um, deal with a lot of the public health concerns. But uh as much as that, I mean, that was really surprising to see that. I know that that just, you know, it's mostly talking about the used bike market. And I think that's pretty fair. I mean, uh, cost of Harleys right now, as well as our financial situations, a lot of people are looking to uh, go used. Uh, we also don't have, you know, production rates are um, decreased significantly. And, and it, you know, r- right now Harley's having a hard time, or at least, uh, it would appear as such. I know that uh, you can follow a trend in the last few years and how their sales have been going, but I think the, the final blow here, as far as uh, <clears throat> not being able to dispute their uh, diminishing market share or, or revenue, is they were removed from the S&P 500 index. Yeah, I think that's a... Uh, I, I didn't do as much uh, dive into that as you did, but I think that's a... Uh... 
a very surprising bit of information. I guess to your point on uh, what was shocking with the European data on uh, an increase in popularity was to see that that Harley was at the top of that list. Yet, kind of what you're saying here, and I mean, it's not a surprise that sales have been down, but that they were removed from S&P at the same point that in Europe, used Harleys are the number one searched used bike. Yeah. Yeah, it's just they're they're having a hard time. I mean, to to stay in the market where they were, they you have to have an unadjusted market cap of eight point two billion dollars or more to be in S and P and five hundred, and then uh, for um, mid cap companies, it has to be two point four billion. So, and they're really like their last year was two point three billion. So they're even. Uh, lower than than the next one i think it must go off of a trend of where they are but uh uh it, it just so that puts them in the s p mid cap 400 is from what i'm understanding just okay interesting news and then to top that off they send out an announcement to their shareholders uh i can't remember what the form is called maybe it's an 8k report but uh says that they're committing to borrow at least $150 million in the next year as part of a loan agreement. Now, this isn't the first time that they've ever had to do something like this. I know that during um, the um, the recession that we had just a, you know, shoot, a decade ago. 2010. Yeah, they, uh, they borrowed from Warren Buffett $300 million. So it's not the first time they've done it, but... Uh, it's uh, coming around pretty quickly. I know that they're they're making a lot of changes. They've got the new CEO. They've got their whole production line and kind of what they're planning on doing. Their their whole outlook is kind of looking different. They did move around a lot of their money and pay off some things and kind of you, you can see that they're doing a lot to try to stay afloat right now. And some you know I just me personally I, I mean I don't want to see Harley go away and so you kind of read these these news articles and you're going man what is gonna happen here what are they gonna do and these are all things that are I mean by the time everybody hears this article these are you know a week and a half to two weeks old but uh, I think they're still relevant and it's just surprising I agree I think it uh, a lot of new things happening I guess with with Harley Davidson but uh, you know, I, I think that first bit of information we started with, with that popularity of bikes in Europe, goes to show that that it's definitely not not gone. You know, I don't think we're going to see Harley disappear. I don't think we're going to see him fall off the face of the earth. Right. We've I talked about that be, in previous uh, episodes as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's more of a, a pivot kind of in their direction and looking for maybe some, you know, financial support to back that pivot to help support it, uh, the shift, you know, towards towards really the origin of Harley. They've already mentioned that's the pivot they want to make. And it looks like they're just looking for a little help in, in retooling or, or whatever they needed to do on the back end to kind of ramp things back up to, you know, make that happen. So I think it's a, a very interesting conversation, um, you know, that that we're seeing all these things come up, that we're seeing some issues with, you know, with needing loans, needing money, needing financial support some issues with where they currently stand on their value in the S&P. You know, I, it definitely is is not a surprise to me, but at the same point, I, I feel a little surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know there's, uh, 
there's a lot of uncertainty right now and there's it's kind of been that way a lot of people have been talking about it i mean what's going to go on with harley and i don't think they're going to go away i think if it got really bad somebody would buy the name and or it would sit on the wayside uh unfortunately similar to what indian did and it would be revamped and um brought back with high demand and popularity harley davidson is not going anywhere Unfortunately, it means that, uh, you know, trying to get a new Harley Davidson or a motorcycle in the near future might get relatively difficult. And so um, just based on their ability to produce and what um, dealers have on hand. So you're not going to be able to walk in and see probably 50, 60 Harley Davidsons in some of our bigger dealerships anymore. I think that's going to kind of change a little bit. And yeah, that, I mean, uh, you know, that they were really trying to diversify. One of the things that they were driving for was trying to bring more um, more riders towards Harley Davidson. And so that was what the previous CEO was doing, was trying to diversify their market and what they were providing to try to point um, everybody towards Harley, to have more roads funneling them in. And with the new CEO, that's really kind of gone on the wayside. So. I know we talked about this only a couple of weeks ago, maybe, but uh, what does that mean for some of these new bikes that they have coming out and some of the things that was actually getting them some hype or, you know, those sticking around or are they just going to go back to their core? And so I'm interested to see what they end up doing. Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of question in that in the quote unquote new styles and, and new things they, that they were coming out with uh, and where that would go, you know, whether it becomes more of a, a high-end niche market of what they're already doing and they just put even more uh, you know more value and more money into the quality of their builds and then just you know charge more for them uh, it's super debatable what will happen there i know it's going to be an ongoing debate until we start seeing some new model year changes probably over the next two years so i don't think this this conversation is going away anytime soon unless somebody from you know harley corporate comes out with a very definitive statement uh, but I also don't know that it's bad for him. You know, I think this buzz, I think this question, even though everybody's a little uneasy about it, it's just bringing more conversation to the game, just making Harley a little bit more untouchable and, and a little bit more popular. So I, in the end, you know, I think these conversations are going to support Harley and what they're looking to do. Um, but I also, uh, you know, I, to your point, you know, like Indians move, you look at what Indians doing these days and they're kind of making a lot of, a lot of new adjustments. They've got, you know, the FTR is still somewhat new and kind of a pivot from the core of Indian. Um, you know, the scout was always a, a modern look at what the old scout was, but that's, you know, not necessarily your classic cruiser, uh, you know, and they're, they've got more in the books. There's been conversation from Indian regarding their newest electric bike right. uh, coming out and, you know, and so, Indians kind of making some of these pivots that Harley said they were going to do. Uh, and really, I mean, more than going to do, Harley's got the their electric bike is out. Uh, you know, the, the Pan America is all but released. It's not like they didn't make these pivots. They've made the pivots. They tooled up. They began production on a lot of these bikes. They just are now saying maybe that's not what's important. Um, and so, yeah, I think, think we're going to see over the next couple of years a lot of, uh, a lot of changes in Harley. Uh, my fear is, to your point, this isn't the first time Harley's gotten some or looked for some some loans, some cash outside of themselves, outside of the banks. And, uh, you know, where where is this going to go for Harley? Are we going to have a whole different, 
you know, a whole different business model come from Harley? Are we going to continue to invite people in? Are they still going to be the, you know, the most prominent dealership system within the U.S.? Is that going to kind of shrink out? Is that going to become a multi-dealer system where people are, you know, selling Hondas, Indians, and Harleys, and you got to take your pick? I'm just curious what happens with this, because there is a certain, I don't know, brotherhood's the right word, because I think that might have different connotations for different people, depending on how you relate to your Harley, but, you know, there's a certain community that Harley-Davidson brings to the motorcycle world in general. Right. Right. And I mean, you, you look at their stock prices and everything, they still haven't even hit the bottom of what they did in 2009 during the recession. It's kind of on the rise. You, you, you compare that to um, Indian and Indian, although through COVID had uh, had their stock prices drop about the same time everything else did. But uh, it's been on a steady rise since. And, you know, Harley, with some of this news, you know, a lot of people are saying that the uh, 8K form that they filled out, this report and notifying people of what their intentions are with their finances is mostly related to the CEO change. And I can understand that it still hasn't really they haven't been recovering at the same rate that their uh, market competitor is right now. And so um, I know that there's that, you know, it's obvious there's a little bit of hesitation there. And so we're going to just have to wait and see um how that pans out but uh i mean it, like i said their harley stock is not as low i mean that's that's promising that sounds good right so uh maybe maybe things are going to turn around for them i guess on the flip side you know maybe it's a good time to uh to buy some stocks it's at 25 dollars a share today on the 17th and uh you know it's uh high is in the 60s so maybe you know maybe triple your money here in the next uh next couple of years as they go through the CEO change and and everything else. Yeah. It's all going to kind of depend on, on what that pivot really means in the real world. So, you know, I'm looking forward to watching that, that pathway and seeing what happens. I think, uh, I think we could see some pretty spectacular Harleys that really go back to the root of, of the sound and, and horsepower and, and torque and feel that, a, that a Harley really has always meant to bring, you know, there's obviously, something very visceral about a Harley that worldwide, uh, you know, people look for, people want to imitate. You look at any metric cruiser and it's just trying to imitate the Harley. So, you know, they are the core of that cruiser world. I'm, I'm sure it will continue to go. I'm just curious whether it becomes, you know, more attainable or less attainable as life goes on for Harley. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to see. Nonetheless, you can always, uh, you know, we'll, we'll post things as we get them. We post a lot of the, the news and different things that we've got publicly uh, on our Patreon page, but as well, anything that's a little bit more exclusive will be just private for the slackers that have, uh, that have helped support us. Nonetheless, check us out on Patreon, check out our Facebook page, and, and you can always check out the website, uh, slackermoto.com, for, uh, for all of our new episodes and anything else. But uh, looking forward to talking to everyone next week. Appreciate uh, joining us. and. Hope that everyone's enjoying the weather as it becomes summertime, at least up in the, the northern hemisphere here, and we all start getting better weather. So if you've got good weather, make sure you take some time to, to get some moto therapy and get out and ride. Yep. Until next time, hashtag ride on. Mm-hmm.